This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. It's time for the opening opening drive. So we could go a lot of different ways, but I think that there's one big picture question that is worth kind of considering and asking, and it also is in the context of everything we just said, getting set up here, is that as I think about this and I look at all the numbers and we see the rankings that are coming out and there's all sorts of fun stuff to, to look at when it comes to Justin Fields, uh, the the question then I think shifts eventually from and this is related. How do you develop a quarterback, which is what everything has been geared around in 2022? How do you develop a quarterback versus at some point in time? How do you develop a Super Bowl team, uh-huh. a, a team, a championship team? Let's let's forget Super Bowl. It's just a championship caliber team versus how do you develop a quarterback? And I think traditionally in the conventional NFL sense, that's always been the same question. And it's always been something that those two answers are very compatible and they're related. And it's like, well, geez, if you get the quarterback, yeah, then you're going to have the championship caliber team. Look at the Kansas City Chiefs. Yep. Look at the Cincinnati Bengals. Yep. Look at those are the most recent examples that you point to. I mean, the Rams and the Bucks of, of teams that have – you know, uh, won championships. They bought their quarterbacks, so they didn't Correct. develop them as much as they they built around those guys and 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 put those guys in the mix. But I wonder if the Bears are, are going to find that those answers are in conflict or compatible themselves. Because I think I think they or 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 the answer to one: How do you develop a championship team? Is going to going to really change how they thought they would be developing the quarterback. And I'm getting at this. I think Justin Fields potentially can be dynamic enough to win the Bears and take them as far as as far as you can imagine. And that is a championship. I do yeah. think that you can structure your roster that way. But I think you've got to look at your roster in a way that is unconventional. And that's the challenge, I think, for Ryan Poles to have an honest conversation when they're having these talks, maybe in off weeks or whatever the case may be with their coaching staff, because this isn't a typical approach to championship football. The question is, is how much is the current approach the long-term approach, right? And I think that's a discussion that, that that's meaningful and it's important for them to have behind those closed doors, because I'm not sure that for me, my comfort level in comparing Justin Fields to Lamar Jackson is is high because I think that there is uh, a a pocket passing proficiency to Justin Fields' game that is coming along. It needs to be brought out. And I think it's the future for who this team is. And now it's all about how do you evolve and grow as your quarterback evolves and grows. This is where I think the union between Justin and Luke Getzey has been so important this year is because they understand that this is all fluid, right? And it is all evolving and that, that one week solutions may not be the next month solutions. And so you, you, you play that game on an every week, every month basis, and you try to figure out where it's going. To your point, I think when the Bears go into this offseason with with all the needs that they have, it's going to be paramount that there is a united vision 
between the, the, the men who are coaching this football team and the men who are going out and, and selecting the players, right. And they're in their, and their staffs that have put in all this work through the college season and have put together these reports. You've got to marry those things together because if you don't marry them together or there's a little bit of disjointedness all of a sudden you wind up going down roads that that are really bumpy and they're full of potholes and a lot of them have dead ends and some of them have detours and there's other things that go along with it and so that that is a, a huge huge process that i would imagine on january 10th begins right with a with a slow steady build to what they need to do in free agency in the draft. But don't you agree that it's going to be a different path or a different route than maybe you typically take to get back to the playoffs or to get back to having back-to-back-to-back winning seasons. I I just think, and and tell me if I'm wrong, and I know this may be a vague conceptual argument or conversation, but okay, so Adam Studzinski, our our, our producer, he gives us this this great statistic and and table this morning about um, how explosive plays. The Bears lead the league in explosive plays, big plays. They have 68 runs of 10 or more yards. They have – 31 passes of 20 or more yards. They have 99 total, and that's just ahead of the Philadelphia Eagles. The 3-10 and 10 Bears lead the NFL in explosive plays. That, to me, is remarkable because you it, we, we typically think of teams that have that kind of explosiveness as being a playoff team or certainly something special about them. I, that's not the case. We know why the defense and a lot of other reasons why. But I think when the Bears study this and they look at what makes them unique, of course, it's the quarterback. What makes the quarterback unique? It isn't because he's the next coming of, 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 the, of the prototypical quarterback. He is a unicorn in some ways. He is. He does make everything else possible by the way that he runs the football because he's a better runner than he is a thrower at this stage of his career. And probably forever, Dan. Right. Probably, maybe, maybe. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure I'm willing to go there in the forever, the forever sake. Well, it doesn't have to be forever. For as, for as long as the Bears want to find that useful and to ride that to, you know, the playoffs, back to respectability and into the Super Bowl, I think that he's got to be that guy, and he's going to be that guy. The, the, the question then becomes: you have to rethink how you how you approach every aspect of the roster if you indeed are going to um, lean into that in the way that we think that they might. It's different than structuring a future and a roster and a receiving core and a defense around a quarterback that you think is going to be um, Joe Burrow, you know, or you think is going to be your, your typical um, pro-style, run a your typical pro-style offense. I don't know if the Bears can do that and I don't know. I don't know that they should do that with Justin Fields because I think you want to play into the strengths and ride this special player as far as he can take you. So this is a good spot here to to have a, a, a discussion about this because when they played the Packers last weekend, the volume of runs for Justin Fields was significantly down. Right. And we looked at that and we said, okay, well, this is a quarterback that's two weeks removed from separating his left shoulder in the loss in Atlanta and they're trying to protect him. And so they really didn't call many designed runs. There was a quarterback sneak to pick up a third and one. There was a kneel down. There were a few tuck and runs. There was a touchdown run. And then there was one other uh, designed run there. And you say, okay, so what's behind this? Right. And so now we started on Monday by asking Matt Eberflus what's behind that. We'll get to that in a second. We have to continue when the season ends and we get a chance to, to pick the brain of Ryan Poles to get a feel for what his vision 
of this quarterback and this offense are beyond 2022? Because I think what they've done, obviously successfully since the middle of October, is found the formula to get the plane off the ground, right? Like away from the gate on the runway and, and, and now they're in the air. Well, now you've got to figure out where you're trying to take it. And that's up to those two men with their respective staffs to, to sound that out and figure that out. So let's go back to last week and, and, and this idea that, okay, they were just merely protecting the quarterback by taking the, the running game out of his hands, so to speak. And so I asked Matt Eberflus on Monday because it was something going back through the video. Uh, obviously, the second half, I think Justin had one run and it was just a, it was a one-yard tuck and run, whatever. And you're like, okay, so they didn't run the ball with their quarterback in the second half and they scored three points and then they got beat 18 to nothing in the fourth quarter and lost the game. What's behind that? And so I asked Matt, you know, what, what was the difference? And, and he, here's a, a, a couple minutes of, of him just spitting out what he was thinking in the moment in that game. And then we can project it further from, from beyond that. I just think that as the flow and ebb and flow of the game was going, I think that we were passing it so good. I think that we were going with that uh, more, um, and I think that was uh, the right thing to do. Uh, I know we had the design counter. Uh, we all saw that play. That was nice where he slid down uh, right before the first. He's got to you know do a good job there. But uh, um, you know, I thought he did a nice job of that. I thought you know that was really the main reason, but uh, no other reason than that. We end up using a couple of wildcat plays, um, you know, because we were trying to go with that in the future. You know, to take some hits off of Justin, you know, I think that's a good idea um, in normal down situations. You know, because Justin's going to take the plays when he can, of course, but uh, we want to use them in situations. You know, red zone, third down, two minute when he, you know, the game's there where it needs to be to keep drives alive and score points. But uh, he, uh, uh, he did a good job all day with that. Is that a step in the direction you'd ultimately like to go, is, is kind of just reducing that a little bit and using it selectively? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, like I've said in the beginning for several weeks now, that we want to be very protective of Justin to make sure that he is out of harm's way. Um, that's either by being smart by him, working to the sideline, working out of bounds or sliding correctly, or things like that, you know, different designs that we might give our, our halfback. Or you saw we did the thing to Velas, you know, Velas had a toss sweep, you know, and all that. So, um, it's good to spread the skill around and utilize it when, uh, you know, when we need those situations. David, that's some Monday afternoon rhetoric that I think has more substance than we probably realized in the moment, right? Because there's some things within there. I'd be curious to get your reaction that are worth unpacking because it, 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 it sounds like there's more than just a, a one Sunday approach to running Justin Fields from this point forward. I think you're right, and I think it's it's in the interest of probably protecting him because he has a separated shoulder. Uh, but I, I again, don't know if the less that you lean into that, uh, the more you're you're hurting your chances of being a different, unique offense or being a better team. I think it's in the best interest of that. That that's going to be. Let's face it, that is going to be the inner conflict that, that is going to be always there as long as Justin Fields is the quarterback of the Bears. And I think that's going to exist, Dan. I guess this is maybe what I'm trying to say without without realizing it and talking through it. Even when they get uh, their free agent offensive tackle and their, their, their drafted wide receiver that's a go-up-and-get-it guy and they supplement the receiving core and they, they get the protection and they have this offense full of weapons and, and a safe pocket, I think we're going to be asking the same question. I think because we're going to ask the same question because of who Justin Fields is naturally, and he has nothing to apologize for, and certainly no. the Bears shouldn't. This is a guy that has announced himself 
as a special generational talent in 2022. That's what you have to acknowledge if you're the Bears. And I think if you acknowledge that fully, then you're not taking the ball out of his hands in the second half of games against the Packers, which, oh, by the way, coincided with blowing a 19 to 10 fourth quarter lead (laughs) because you were a different offense in the second half because of what we just said. I think to maximize everything about your roster, once you get the receivers, once you get the offensive line, you're going to be wanting him to run the ball again, again, and again, because he is somebody who can help you lead the league in explosive plays. This got a little tricky quickly, didn't it? <laughs> I mean, honestly, when you think about it, to have though, it's a great problem. There's to have. no it's question. It's a great problem to have. Yeah. yeah, no question. No question. It's a good problem to have. But when I sit in that room and I hear Matt Eberflus tell me that they're going to run Wildcat with Darrington Evans and, and David Montgomery more to take heat off of Justin Fields. Well, now all of a sudden, Darrington Evans and David Montgomery aren't going to be able to run some of those zone read plays to the same level of effectiveness that Justin Fields is number one, just for the mere sake of as soon as they're back there, you know, it's a running play, right? Like, and you can't even disguise that even a little bit. Number two, they're not the explosive runners that Justin Fields is. And so now, David, it's like Justin put together this fireworks show uh, that started really in New England and, and went on and went on and went on. And then it ended when he separated his shoulder in Atlanta. And it was like one of those fireworks kind of like didn't go up in the air and it shot sideways. And there was like some some sparks that flew and people go, ah, God, that that was a little dangerous. And now it's like, OK, so what do we do with with? the danger part of this. And that's what they have to navigate from here because I think they got spooked and perhaps justifiably so in thinking, okay, well now we had to go to New York and we had to play a game with Trevor Simeon and we scored 10 points and we were completely overmatched and we had no chance in the game. And that's a loss because our starting quarterback was unavailable to us because he took a routine hit on a routine run in the game the week before. So how do we prevent a routine run from becoming a loss the next week. Right. And so this is, it's a juggle and it's tricky and it got tricky quickly for them because of this injury. And so now they've got to navigate that. We've got to figure that out. You heard Matt in that same clip there talk about, we are going to try to prioritize running Justin situationally, third down red zone, two minute and use his gifts in moments where, where we feel like it matters the most. Well, now to your point, you're pulling back the reins in a way that's going to make your offense less potent for other periods of the game, because you're trying to develop a a plan that you think can last longer, work better long-term. And now you've got a riddle on your hands to try and solve. And, and so this is why coaches get together in a week like this and hopefully have conversations like we're having on a much more sophisticated level with tape to back it up and try to figure out where they want to go. So if I'm in the, the draft uh, scout room or if I'm in the quarterback room, whatever, wherever they meet at House Hall to have these kind of conversations, it goes back to I, I want my backer quarterback to be as much like Justin Fields stylistically as possible because of the lesson of Trevor Simeon, if you will, or the lesson of the backup quarterback. When you have to go to him, there's going to be a drop-off in ability. There's no doubt about that. But I don't think you want to change your entire approach because of – uh, you don't have to. So get get your um, Tyler Huntley uh, uh, comp, get, <laughs> your, your version of, of what Lamar Jackson's back. When the Ravens have to go to him, I think they don't change their approach very much. It's, it's, it's very similarly styled, and I think that's what you want from a Bears perspective. Eventually, you'll get talent uh, at the receiving core, and you'll get talent where not so much will maybe be on uh, the quarterback, if indeed Justin Fields has to miss a series, a quarter, or a game or two. And that's what you have to do. From from a 100% health standpoint, the, I guess this is what I'm also wondering is that 
you know, if you want to play this game of caution, as Matt Eberflew suggested, and the thing about the Wildcat is just crazy to me. Why, <laughs> I never understood why you have your best player and you, you make him, you know, you play 10 on 11 because you want to try to outsmart everybody with a running back at quarterback. It's ridiculous. But if you are, if you are Matt Eberflus, you understand how short coaching tenures can be. If you don't take advantage of something right in front of you that's obvious to everyone, you're going to lose your job and you're going to squander this opportunity because I do think that in the next, you know, three to five years, the Bears have an opportunity and a, and a chance to, to to regain the kind of supremacy in the division with Justin Fields because of him. So if they ignore that, if they try to minimize that by being too afraid to get him hurt, they may regret that. You know how else you lose your job and squander your opportunity? You go get a guy with this much level and this much potential hurt multiple times and then he can't play right and Justin's missed six games now in his career due to injury or illness and that's a a, a pretty high total and so it, it is a tightrope that they're going to have to walk I do think they can figure it out I do think they're smart enough I do think that Justin is um flexible enough and versatile enough to be able to adapt to whatever vision that they have for him. It's just going to take some figuring out. It is again, why I think the last four weeks of the season are, are, are really intriguing in a lot of ways, because you're going to come back to play the Philadelphia Eagles in week 15, and you're going to be almost a month removed from that game in Atlanta. And so now the, the left shoulder shouldn't be in any part of anybody's brain in terms of game planning and figure, figuring things out. And so now if we go these next four games and we see, you know, 20 wildcat plays and 12 designed runs for Justin Fields, you've got some of your answers, right? And so we've got to observe this and figure out what the volumes of these look like, what, what the actual visual aspect of this offense looks like going forward. we got to see what the production is, both in total yardage and what it looks like on the scoreboard at the end of the day. And we've got a bigger sample size to accumulate here. And I'm I, I, like, I, I've gotten some blowback from, from folks in different areas. I'm pumped for the last four games because I just think there's a lot to learn about how a lot of different people that are important to this organization are going to respond to whatever sort of tests are thrown at them and how they adapt and, and figure these things out on the fly. The first half against the Packers, I think, is the model that you want to, to replicate, correct? I mean, he they took shots down the field. He was more uh, of a runner, certainly the explosiveness. You want to try to do as much of that as, as you can moving forward. I, I the, the, the risk in, that's inherent in every running quarterback is kind of, uh, it, it's part of, it's, it's part of what you are. It's part no of doubt. your identity. I don't think that you can really, you know, I don't know that you can back off of that now. Yeah. I, I get where you're coming from. I'm just not so sure that it will be a hundred percent matched by the people that are calling the shots up there. I also do think that I think I just like, I think Justin has more in him as a passer than he's shown. It's all about just continuing to gain this experience. We've seen incredible growth in his pocket patience and presence over the last two months. That's got to continue to come along. And then just the, the speed at which he gets through things. He'll, he'll admit that himself that you got to get from one to two to three really quick sometimes in this game. And, and if you can do that, now all of a sudden you 
you become a more proficient passer and you can have these games where you don't have to count on a 55 yard touchdown run to give you that spark to get over the hump. Eventually it's just, it's something you do to convert a third down. It's something you do to keep a drive alive. It's something you do to go score inside the red zone. And then you're still able to just take apart defenses because you are a competent passer who understands how to go boom, 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 and pick away uh, at, at a defense with your arm and, and the way you read a defense. I know, I know what you're saying. And I don't disagree with that necessarily. I think when you talk about that, you're saying that you want Justin Fields to reach a level of competence as a passer that you see in other quarterbacks in the NFL, right? That yeah. you see in, in winning quarterbacks in the NFL. And I do believe he's capable of doing that. We've seen examples of that, and he can improve to the point where he is like other quarterbacks in the NFL. All I'm saying is that you have a skill that makes him do things that only – couple other quarterbacks in the NFL can do. Yep. And I don't want one to suffer at the expense of the other because maybe one day, you know, Justin Fields will get to the point where we don't, we're not looking at how he's throwing and where he's throwing to and, and we're parsing, you know, breaking down uh, interceptions like this, the Supreme <laughs> film and, you know, this guy's fault. But I, it just seems like that's that a lot. There are a lot of reasons that, contrib- that contribute to that. He eventually will improve as a passer, but I don't think he's ever going to be the unique passer that he is as a unique runner. Right. He's always going to be that guy. And that's what I guess with long, because long way to say he's he, he, if you're going to win a, a championship, it's going to be because he's so unique in that area. Yep that nobody can stop him. Well, it's the combination of speed and power and size and all the things that make him really difficult to stop as a runner. And so you've got to figure out a way to use that. But it is a Rubik's Cube. I would I would challenge you to write this down. Like Justin's 95 yards away from topping 1,000 for this season, right? Which is a pretty good milestone for a quarterback. There's not many that have done it in this league. I also would not be shocked if 2022 goes down as his career best year as a rusher, right? Like, and I don't think you would be either. I don't know that we're expecting a thousand yards rushing every season right and so that, mm. that's that, that yeah yeah <laughs> mm, i need to think about that little. okay let's let's uh and, and that'll get me into my next uh area of, of maybe uh, uh whining 